Broadcasting live from the Orlando, Orange County Convention Center for Hymns 17. It's This Just In. Now, here's your host, Justin Barnes. Welcome to the special edition of This Just In of Hymns Radio. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. We'll be broadcasting live from the HIMSS 17 annual conference inside the beautiful Orlando County Convention Center. Let me also introduce my radio and on-air producer, Ryan McPherson. Hello, Justin. How you doing, my friend? It's great to have you back on the air. That's right. We're year number two for This Just In at HIMSS uh, here in Orlando. That's right. It's great. Uh, we have a great partnership, and uh, you're one of the best producers in the industry, so I appreciate your time, my friend. You're too kind. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and many thanks to everyone who's joined us already here in person, and certainly to everyone listening via the Business Radio X and the Healthcare Now radio networks. We have the industry's most sought-after CEOs, CIOs, care providers, policy leaders, visionaries, and you can find them all here on our show. Um, but our goal is to really bring you the latest in healthcare innovation, strategy, policy, entrepreneurialism, and surely best practices, as well as strategies to successfully navigate the future of healthcare, your physician practice, your company, or even your family through all these changes occurring across healthcare today. There is more opportunity than ever before for all of us to thrive, but we must really understand how healthcare is evolving, how policy and reimbursement is shifting, and where best practices and innovation can support our efforts. My next guest, Brian Ahir, very excited to have you, digital health evangelist from Aetna, but then also just a great industry guy for interoperability. But, um, but tell us a little bit about your background to start off with, Brian. Well, I, and, you know, I work in, in the medicity business of Aetna. Oh, yes. A lot of interoperability activity yep. going on there. And, and beyond just that, though, yep. Uh, yep. not just interoperability, really thinking about how you can use data to improve patient care and improve the patient experience, and ultimately to lower costs as well. It's all about the data. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my mantra. Well, you're just a great ambassador for the industry as well, so I'm very happy to have you. So taking a little bit of a, of a step back, what are you, some of your goals for attending HIMSS each year? Each beyond year? Seeing, yeah, beyond <clears throat> seeing just a lot of your friends and all that. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things yes. is, you know, it's a community. It is. Right? Uh, we're like more than just friends, really. Yeah. It's almost a family yeah. of people. So you know, true. I look over and, and see Nick over there. And oh, I think yes. about the pink socks people. That's right. Right? Yep. And, uh, you know, Regina Holiday mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in the walking gallery. Yep. These things so are, they're really meaningful. The fabrics of our community now in our industry. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, there's more than that to come to him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the things is I like to really see the emerging trends and the technologies that are coming out and try to stay a little bit ahead of the curve. Yep. So I'd give you an example of that. Please, yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, you know, about a year ago, uh, I got turned on to blockchain technologies and thinking about how they're going to impact different industries. A friend of mine, Brian Bellendorf, who started the Hyperledger project, and he's he is the inventor of Apache software, mm-hmm. which runs quite a bit of the internet. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, and he, he knows his stuff. And so I talked to him about Hyperledger and thought, wow, this he's right. This is going to have a significant impact on society and on every industry, including healthcare. And so started thinking that through. And everybody at the time, not everybody, but a lot of people at the mm-hmm. time were saying, that's ridiculous. There's no room for blockchain in healthcare. 
and I don't like to <laughs> think what other people think. Right. So I said, well, there, you might be wrong. I might be wrong too. Right. By f the fall, I'd seen what people were actually doing. That's right. right. They're doing it now. They are. And so I said, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. And um, so I knew that that would be a part of hymns because IEEE, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Computer Society, yeah. which I'm involved with, has an event, and it's here at Hems, the rock stars of blockchain. So I knew that was coming, and I'm pretty excited about that. The other thing is uh, machine learning, which is a lot of people think artificial intelligence, right. which artificial intelligence, machine learning tools create artificial intelligence, but machine learning tools do other things as well, automation. There's a lot of processes, process improvement that you can do through machine learning techniques that aren't necessarily artificial intelligence. You know, there's algorithmic activity you can do yep. with machine learning that already now is having a significant impact on healthcare. And I think that that, even in the near term, you know, within this year, mm -hmm. is going to start to have a growing impact in the next two, three years. Uh, and so even we see that with large. predictive analytics, I think, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, predictive analytics is one component yep. of it. There's a lot of, you know, data mining. When you think about, I get back to the data, you know, it's all about the data. Data is the currency of this next century. Your data assets, your most valuable asset. Quit building facilities, okay? We don't need another $110 million hospital in your community because my goal is to eliminate all those hospital beds. Most of them aren't filled anyway. Right. You're wasting your money. The analogy is to the computer industry where computers were mainframes and you had to have a terminal into the mainframe. You got the hospital as the mainframe way of thinking and you have to have a terminal into the hospital for healthcare. But then computers, you had a PCs, pretty soon the mobile revolution, computers went out into the community, into people's businesses and into their pockets. And that's where healthcare is going too. So if you're stuck in a mainframe way of doing healthcare, then you're a dinosaur. <laughs> yes and you're gonna get into the tar pits. Yep. So really think advanced, you know, beyond just the mainframe and the physical structure. Think virtual and technology obviously is gonna play a huge role there. So you, you just hit on a couple of those. So in kind of a, in the closing question here, um, what are a few of the best practices or two or three best practices that you speak about or that you advocate upon to navigate this successfully, to navigate this, these yeah. you know, data and, and what's coming out? Well. Uh, that's a big question. I know. We'll have to do another yeah. 10 minutes. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so well, I, I would, rather than think about best practices, mm -hmm. uh, well, I think about concepts. Yeah. Concepts yeah. and sort of the philosophy behind mm -hmm. it, some principles. Um, do, don't get stuck in doing the same thing all the time the same way yep. because uh, technology advances exponentially. And we're linear thinkers. So, you know, so the true. price point of computing doubles, right? The capacity of computing doubles. And this is what Moore's Law is based on. But it's not just Moore's Law. It's all of technology. So we've reached a point now where physical limitations at a four nanometer chip, that's as, you can't get any smaller. It's the size of a molecule. Transistors are as small as they're going to get. Well, is that the end of computing? No, because now we've got other models to use beyond silicone. Right, and that's what's going to happen, and it's going to continue exponentially growing. So it's going to double, 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 and it doesn't seem like much when you're doubling five dollars to ten, ten to twenty, twenty to forty, and so forth, two hundred fifty-six to five twelve. 
think about gigs, yep. terabytes and petabytes, right? We're at the gigabyte to para, petabyte stage. Pretty soon, exponential growth gets to quantum. And so keep that in mind as you're thinking about what's going on because what we used to think just five years ago would be 10 years off is yep. here today. And so I keep saying the future is now. Right. Um, the things that we think are the future are actually here today. And um, so don't limit yourself by the technology we have available to you today. Be creative. Nope, that's fantastic. Um, and be forward thinking and don't be scared. Be fearless. <laughs> I love it. Be that's fantastic. fearless. Yes. You know what? If you that's don't fail, yeah. you suck. There you go. All right? You have to fail to, to succeed. If you don't ever fail, then you're not trying hard. Yep. So you got to try things that you might not be able to do just so that you can break those barriers and get beyond our really tight, boxy thinking. Yep. No, that's excellent, uh, excellent advice, um, and just words of wisdom to live by. And that's why you do also great on the Twitters and the Twitter spheres because you just uh, dispel great advice. What is your Twitter handle? Just so everybody knows, we have it on air. I hardly ever tweet to myself. Oh, it's <laughs> my name. It's at a h i e r. So it's just my last name, yeah. which is it was it was free. Yeah. It was available because go. hardly anybody has that name, and it's five characters. Yeah. I'll give one last piece of advice you brought Please. up Twitter. Yep. When you make a Twitter handle, do not have it be 72 characters Correct, long. Correct, because you're eating okay? up all that space. Then yeah. You can only tweet small characters. little things. That's right. So make it as short as possible while it still makes sense and make yeah. it catchy. Brian, thank you just so much for joining the show today. You're a great guest. We're going to have you back for sure. Great well, wisdom, my friend. Was, this was fun. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Next guest, uh, yeah. very excited, Tom Foley with Novo Health. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Welcome. Thank you, you my friend. That. Absolutely. Great. Excellent. No, it's great to have you here. So tell us a little bit about um, what do you see, guys? What do you guys see? What does Lenovo see as some of the trends that are uh, happening out there in, in healthcare? A couple trends. Uh, first off, in order to move to a, uh, a value-based care system, it's not necessarily a trend towards a newness, but there's some legacy challenges mm -hmm. that... Uh, we were just talking about that on another show. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So there's some legacy challenges Total. that have to be overcome yeah. in order for them to get the value. And so we focus on the whole duplicate record, medical identity theft, uh, and payment fraud issue, and which is all centered and core around a unique health safety identifier. So that to establish that, you can improve the quality of the data, and then you can move the value. And the other trend is certainly in the in the virtual uh, setting. Not only, uh, again, relative to how do I uh, uh, deliver care, I always typically use two numbers: eight thousand seven hundred sixty and fifteen. And the uh, the number 8,760 is yeah. the number of hours in a year. 15 is the number of hours a an average Medicare patient spends in front of their their total physician base in wow. a given year. So the difference here is the care gap, as I call it. Sure. So it's not what happens in front of the doctor. It's what happens in, outside of the doctors. And if you're going to achieve value, you have to close that gap. So the trend here is how do I, how do, I do that? How do I engage delivery of care? into the home and we always, and we're looking at the home being a setting of care. Yeah. It's shifting for sure. It, yeah. well, so yeah. the so the idea here is that the patient has to go to, uh, has to be seen by the doctor doesn't necessarily have to go to the doctor every time they have a, uh, a, a physician encounter. Certainly right. there's reasons sure. uh, for a value of both but the Correct. brick and mortar is not necessarily the uh, the end all be all relative to where care is uh, delivered. No, it's also the most expensive place to deliver care. Exactly. So we're trying to bend that cost curve and shift. Exactly. Um, and I assume we're going to dive in. We have a, the uh, your panel um, at 3:30 today. So I'm sure we're going to yes. dive into some of that uh, at at great lakes, but, but let's touch on a couple pieces. I mean, 
Um, how are you guys addressing some of those trends, or would you recommend people address those trends? What can you do to start? Well, one of the things relative to the virtual care setting is it's not just about having a video conference with your, with your physician. Uh, Lenovo at CES earlier this year announced mm -hmm. a, um, an intelligent home uh, yes. platform. So ultimately, we looked at it and said, you know, we need to create an intelligent medical home. And the point there being is, is that I, I looked at my 82-year-old mother, and, 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 and she has six kids. And so how does six kids in different states and different towns engage her, one, and how mm -hmm. does she engage her, her care team? And how does, does she really, is she going to use this tablet? Right. Is she going to put her fingers on the keyboard yep. to record her data? Not likely. But if you can use your voice the strength that they have yeah. in, in order to engage, and that was the centerpiece of uh, the Intelligent Home Platform, it is centered on the uh, the Amazon Alexa. Now we've, uh, we're working with uh, with organizations that we just announced a uh, collaboration with Orbita uh, on how do we build health skills uh, it, that integrate with uh, with Alexa. So so that That's all excellent. said, now, the, now you have something new, right. something innovative. The question's now, now what policies Organi uh, government policies sure. do you might have with HIPAA? You know, if they do it in the home, it's it's really not HIPAA because right. it's the patient. Yeah. But as soon as the patient and the physician start interacting with each other, HIPAA comes into play. So how do we make HIPAA easy, if you will? We need to be concerned about HIPAA. We're all concerned about HIPAA uh, and security of the data, but uh, you know, there's some dominoes that still need to be addressed, but uh, we're, we feel like, you know, uh, how to, engaging the patient is about making it easy, not putting devices in front of them right. and, and, and creating complexity. No, that's brilliant, actually. I, I had not heard that before, but I completely agree. And I just started to, I actually rolled out an iPad to my grandmother. She's 92. Um, well, first of all, if you should have given her uh, one of our yoga devices from Lenovo. I actually love no, As I, opposed I, to an Apple device. Correct. But that's another story. That's a, but I, actually, I, I, I love I the yoga. I digress. You know, who about, <laughs> you know who gave me a yoga, which is amazing, um, was uh, was Intel a couple years oh, really? ago. When it first came out. God I, bless um, them. I love, uh, yeah, no, I love the yoga. Um, but from a form factor, you're 100% you're right. From an application, she will not, to your point, she will not use it for anything, but she does Facebook, right. which is kind of cool because I, exactly. I can share pictures. Um, cool. And then words with friends. She'll play with me and, and our family. But that's it. She will not use it for any healthcare purposes whatsoever. But I do believe, I just started to use Alexa myself in my home. And um, it actually is quite helpful. And I already had an intelligent home before that, but then I added Alexa just for one area, and it actually is, I can totally see the application. So if you can, uh, if, if, if Alexa actually has uh, connectivity to your medical devices, hey, Alexa, right. let's get weighed today. Exactly. Alexa, let's take my blood pressure. Oh, Alexa, what was my blood pressure? That's right. And what doctor's appointments do I have? Smart. You have this whole natural integration and ease of use that now the patient starts to be engaged because they have an intelligent assistant, uh, a smart assistant in their home that can help them along the way. Fascinating. So what would, what would be the two to three best practices that you would share to help people navigate this? I mean, what are some next steps that we could logically do as patients, but also as caregivers? Well, as caregivers, uh, the, the, the logical next step is how do we engage the caregivers? You know, so when, when, if I am monitoring your blood pressure as a perfect example, you know, the physicians typically want to see it when, they, when it goes out of range. They don't want to see all the data, which right. we get, yep. right? But at the same time, you, want to know, you, could notify, you could notify a loved one that mm -hmm. says, hey, mom didn't have a blood pressure taken today, right. or the range is consistently yes. out of range. Someone should give her a call. Yep. Right, so there's a lot of uh, care team interaction that is that 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 support team is really critical 
to a patient engagement strategy. You create, the, you bring the loved ones in. Not that, not necessarily. Oh, yeah. You don't have to pay your, your yeah. nurses and things. You yeah. bring the family right. and your neighbors right. into the equation yep. in the secure and One of the six kids, way. Or eight kids. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You exactly. No, that's fantastic. So you know, there's a, there's a number of different things, and the, the the other aspect of it is, as I said, we still need to collaborate as an industry. How to quickly, not over years, but how to quickly address what are the policies and guidelines relative yeah. to how do you leverage this new technology to to help the market move nimbly towards a value-based care model. That's a, a very good point, and, and it's something that I've you know do a work on Capitol Hill quite a bit, and trying to keep policy up with innovation. Um, and protect us, but then also let's not, and you know, with HIPAA, we also have a lot of, um, uh, Anish was here earlier talking about myth busters, because yeah. there's a lot of misconceptions about HIPAA yeah, exactly. uh, and data transfer and data interoperability and security, and we need to make sure that we um, we bust the myths. I think he said 90% of a lot of, a lot of his focus coming up is going to be myth busting yeah. um, in the industry. And we, we, the, last, the last one is we have an inconsistency in the market. We have the clinical side of the equation moving to value-based care. If you, if you follow the administration, some of the things that they're talking about, they're talking about personal health savings accounts. Mm -hmm. So now what that will do is empower the patient and the consumer to shop for value, as opposed to being aligned or uh, loyal to a particular health system. Right. So now, Very true. so if I'm, if I'm going to shop for value, I'm from New Jersey, I can go to Philadelphia, New York, local to New Jersey, mm -hmm. I go to Florida half the year, mm -hmm. I got a n number of different care teams. The, the point there is if I'm shopping, how can my, how can the person who technically owns responsibility for my quality of care, my value, it's actually uh, maximize their return, if you will, because it is a business as well. So, so if they're going to take the risk on me and I don't have loyalty to them, right. th that's, that's, a, that's a problem in and of itself of inconsistency in policies and direction relative to the respective audiences. So do you, are you guys engaging that on Capitol Hill then as well? And we are, we are, we're, we're, we're starting to ha advocate this particular yeah. message through our clients and, and try, draw some advocacy around the, uh, the, the topic, absolutely. Excellent. Well, I know we're going to dive more into it at our 3.30 panel, but Tom Foley, Lenovo Health, thank you so much for being here today. Awesome. And we'll see thanks, you shortly. Thanks for having us. Right, thank thanks, you. my friend. Thank you for everybody, uh, to everybody for joining us. I'm very excited about my next guest. Um, not only a true pioneer in the industry and visionary, but also a good friend. I've been able to serve with Marianne for, uh, for many years uh, on one of her boards. So Marianne Yeager, CEO of the Sequoia Project, welcome. Well, thank you, Justin. It's great to be here. And welcome back to the show as well. You were, um, actually, I think you've been on the show. This might be a third time. You were live on air last year at HIMSS 16. That's right. I've had you, just my regular This Justin radio show, you've been, you've called in before. So yes. you're, yeah, you're certainly a return desk guest. Well, we always have a great conversation. So, um, but let's first of all start off, um, love what Sequoia Project's doing. So let's take a little bit of a step back and just let everybody, certainly my audience here, uh, and the listeners know, what have you guys been up to over the last year? What are some of the things that you've accomplished? Well, you know, the Sequoia Project has really been focusing on building out the ability for providers to securely share health records over the eHealth Exchange Network, which really started as an ONC program initiative related to the Nationwide Health, health Information Network back in 07, and uh, really focusing on expanding connectivity with that network. Um, pretty impressive statistics these days. Uh, this year, we'll actually have more than 65% of all U.S. hospitals connected. Wow. About 50,000 medical groups and four uh, federal agencies, the Veterans Health Administration, DOD, Social Security Administration, and CMS. 
and also with 47 HIEs. So, you know, really health data sharing on a nationwide scale is, is there's no question of its viability. It's a question of keeping pace with demand and, and really working on those important improvements. I think what's really been kind of unbelievable is the trajectory for Carry Quality, which is yes. our second initiative. And that was really around enabling different data sharing networks to interoperate with each other and to do so in an open standards-based way. And Carry Quality, you want to hear the statistics? Yes, please. Okay, went live July 1st, 600 hospitals, 15,000 medical groups, 210,000 clinicians, and since its inception, 350,000 clinical documents exchanged, 100,000 of those just in January. So it's just accomplishing that network effect mm -hmm. and really building upon this fantastic foundation of health IT and really just working together with industry and government to just tie it together. So what are some of the use cases? Because obviously I was there, you know, day one on care <laughs> quality. And so tell me or let us know some of the use cases that you guys have been able to enable and, and move forward? Well, I would say the, the root, um, the heart of the first use case that's reaching such scale is really the ability to uh, request and retrieve a copy of clinical documents, um, primarily for treatment and care coordination, whether it's of, of patients or active military and their families. Um, the health exchange, for instance, is used as a way for the DOD to enable the more than 9.4 million beneficiaries to have their access uh, records accessed. That ability to request and retrieve a copy of a clinical document yeah. can be used for a multitude of purposes. It's used for individuals or the Social Security Administration to get copies of records um, on a more expeditious basis to make benefits determination. Um, there's also different types of data being transmitted, immunization data. We're starting to look at image exchange, which is such a huge promise yep. uh, for really, really uh, shaping healthcare. So I think we have some fabulous building blocks, a real solid momentum, and just want to build on that. So, and I know they, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. It's, it's tough to remember <laughs> all the participants and all of the actors. Um, <clears throat> but I come from the vendor industry, and we certainly want to push people to, uh, to engage. Uh, and, but I also want to highlight those people who have taken interoperability seriously. Mm -hmm. um, certainly on the EHR front, because we, we hear, you know, the media likes to publicize some of the negative aspects of it. And um, I never appreciated that. I know that you've never appreciated That's that. Right. We're always for the, for the um, betterment of our industry and moving our industry forward. So in that positive vein, though, list some of the companies, and you can know as, as many as you want, um, that have taken this very seriously, not only from day one, but maybe in the last year, said, you know what, we want to engage, we need to engage, we see, we, you know, our customers are asking us to. List some of those companies. Well, I mean, there are so many engaged. I, I yep. really wish I could list all of them. Um, but there's a movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, this they're almost, I would say, what, what vendor isn't? Right. Okay, um, good. You know, so, but I would say some of the early adopters, at least for the carry quality framework, would be Athena, um, e, ECW, Clinical Works, Epic, No2, SureScripts, GE, NextGen, Medicity. You also have companies like NetSmart, one of the largest mm -hmm. behavioral health yes. uh, EHR companies, but many more. Um, probably of note, you know, most recently it was Commonwealth really, you know, jumping in with us and really trying to interconnect uh, their network with the carry quality community, and we were really excited to, to have them, you know, work with us in that way. Yeah, so let's dive into that now, yeah. because that's a pretty, that was something that's been in the works for a while, but also that's fairly monumental, certainly if you know the inside pa aspects of all of this, and you've been at HIMSS for the last couple of years, so touch on that, touch on the... Um, the integration, or, or I should say the interoperability, the data sharing between care quality, which under the uh, Sequoia umbrella, and, and Commonwealth Health Alliance. So, you know, I, we've always had a really good rapport with our, our yeah. colleagues at Commonwealth, and um, as they were in the process of building their network, and we were in the process of building this network-to-network -network interoperability framework, really last year the timing was perfect to actually talk about bridging those two. 
Um, so we're really excited, you know, to just work through how to bring that work together. Um, so Commonwealth had, uh, is uh, intending to become a carry quality implementer, and that is in process. Um, they are also, I believe, planning to make a carry quality compliant version of the record locator service available for use by other carry quality implementers uh, in the community. And, you know, we realize there's broader work we can do together. I mean, they're thought leaders, we have thought leaders, and really together we're stronger by working together. So we're really excited to, about the opportunity to yep. bring it all together. So what are you showcasing here at HIM 17 this year? Really, we're showcasing practical case, uh, use case examples, experiences from the implementation community. We're sharing our growth. Um, I think probably two really promising opportunities this year. We really want to make a down payment on improving patient matching. And there's so many incredible technology solutions and approaches uh, that are available, many showcased here at, HIM, at the HIMSS conference. What we wanted to do in keeping with our public mission is to really take a look at what can we do to raise the bar and improve patient matching with existing technologies. Mm -hmm. And Smart. so we are... Um, have formed a patient matching work group to disposition some public comments in a document we published last year. So that's really big for us because, again, it's a down payment on patient matching, raising the bar. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. So what do you see, looking a little bit into your crystal ball, what do you think we're going to see late 2017, 2018 coming from Sequoia Project? What use cases may be enabled or what do you guys, what are some of the things you guys might tackle and want to and think it's coming down the pipe? Well, we're looking at very seriously, I think I mentioned image exchange. Mm -hmm. Of course, we think there's a lot of uh, great work to leverage. We were, have worked with the Radiological Society of North America to support their image exchange efforts. But beyond that, I mean, we're looking at things like... Um, data-based uh, queries using Fire APIs. There's a lot of promise there. there Consumer access to their health information. So we Excellent. have this foundation of trust. We have yeah. this foundation on which to build. So it's what can we layer on top of that. So I think that holds a lot of promise. But I'll be honest. Uh, I think what we're going to see in the end of 2017 is really critical mass of that ability to move data fairly seamlessly and shifting attention and improving the quality of, of what's being transmitted so it has greater value to our clinician users. And that's not just Sequoia, I think, as an industry. Right, right. Yeah. So, kind of the final question here in point is we, we're, we're pushing very hard uh, towards value-based care, and, and we're, we've obviously, with macro, we've changed a lot of the care models and how payments are, are flowing through that process, and it will continue to evolve. Where do you see the intersections of what Sequoia is able to enable um, through their leadership um, and through their guidance and through their infrastructure? Um, and care quality, where do you see um, those touch points and what you guys are able to enable for health systems and then for doctors' offices? Well, I mean, you really can't um, make a dent in better care coordination without interoperability. Yeah. <laughs> without interoperability. Yeah. So, um, and conversely, this is what's so interesting is alternative payment models will fuel sure sort will. of that last mile of, hey, now we have the incentive to work through those last uh, set of workflow issues and That's data right. quality and content issues. So I think the stars are aligning for our industry. Um, and I think that this the perfect nexus of, of what we do and what so much of the great work in industry and doing and the, and the future direction with APMs. That's awesome. So in closing here, go through one more time the number of hospitals that um, are enabled through care quality, uh, but then also through that participate as part of the uh, the information network, you know, the e health exchange. You got it. Um, so with care quality, it's uh, more than 600 hospitals. Again, this started July 1st, yeah. right? Yeah. 15,000 medical groups, 210,000 clinicians, and uh, more than 350,000 documents exchanged. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's fast. Interoperability it, is here, right? Yeah. Finally. I love it. Well, thank you very much.
Miriam Yeager, CEO of Sequoia Project. Thank you for being my return guest, and thank you for showing up three times on my show. You bet. Thanks, You're Justin. wonderful. Thanks so much. Bye. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us today. And please tune in weekdays at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustIn so you can respond to your comments from the show. In addition, all my content's always posted on my website at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week.